not too sure which podcast I'm posting this on because I think it kind of um spans three different types of podcasts I have one of them you know I talk a lot more about um religious religion traditions um different types of Christian traditions especially ones that I grew up around and then one of them is more kind of like psychological, kind of um, kind of about spirituality, psychology, and kind of like more esoteric topics, things that don't really fall into like a, a mainstream traditional like belief system, like views around like psychedelics and different things like that. And then another one is more like social issues um things like that um social issues around like relationships dating lgbtq plus topics different types of like gender identity topics and things like that so i think this might be able to post on all three so today i did want to look at something that i don't really want people to avoid um just because I already know you know if you're anything like me when you hear certain words or certain terms you know you're you're likely to be like I'm gonna turn this off I don't want to hear it I don't want to listen to it um but you know I'm not here to shove things down people's throats or preach at people or tell people they're doing something right or wrong um I'm mostly here to like break things down um and you know help people kind of expand their minds and open their ideas and challenge things more um outside of what we kind of automatically get kind of taught um I think the my main purpose in all of the podcasts really is to just help people with a lot of food for thought of different things that we kind of do that maybe don't really work for us on a lot of different levels like a lot of us have habits traditions cultural things that we grew up with ideas different um teachings and you know whether it's from your family sometimes you know when you're you know I don't want to say growing up but like when you're kind of coming into your own way of living your own life on your own um authentic level you know sometimes you come to a conclusion that like some of this stuff just doesn't resonate um and I know a lot of people have those experiences and then going through the whole Roni Rona situation um people having more time to sit with with different stuff that comes up that like they've never really had to deal with or think about or delve into ever you know just I think it's helpful for people to have something that they can listen to that's like okay I kind of get it um but there's a there's a there's a text I want to look at that's very um how shall I say this extreme I guess in its perspectives 
Um, and when I look at anything that has to do with a religion or denomination, I really look at the difference between faith of the people who, you know, are, you know, talking as, as their believer, like they're saying, I'm a believer in this religion or in this, you know, sect or in this, you know, doctrine. And I believe this with my full heart or, you know, I really have faith in this, that it's really the path I should follow. I'm convicted of this. Um, comparing that to control and people who are leaders that just don't really, um, I think there are two, there are kind of two sides to a leadership, maybe more than that, but Oftentimes you'll see two sides to a leadership, um, if it's like in a religion or church or something. Um, there's the there's the one where it's like we want more members, we want more people, um, and so there is that emotional component that they that they might maybe not even consciously, but they kind of know how to play on like this emotional component of like either like fear tactics or shunning or like you know, um, judgment tactics and different types of ways to make people feel, um, maybe like less than or bad about them, about their actions and activities when they're not really following along with what the religion teaches or what the leader is saying is like the best way to live. Um, so there's that type of leadership. And then there are the ones that I think they genuinely do believe what they're saying and they do genuinely believe that a lot of the doctrines and traditions are valid for everybody's life even people who don't believe that yet or never have or never will that everybody needs to kind of be following that church or that religion because it's right and everybody else is wrong um so I like to talk about those things because a lot of times what happens is people get confused because they get, I believe it's because they get like an emotional type of connection to ideas. Like it's a new idea to a lot of people or like an, uh, an idea that comes with a lot of weight to it. So, um, and I'm going to get into the main topic, you know, talking about this, um, one of the chapters about courtship, dating courtship type of things, um, from this book called The Adventist Home. Um, those of you who know about Ellen G. White, shout out. Um, but I like looking at different doctrines, different books, different texts that people follow. That's one that I've definitely grown up with. Um, one of my parents got that from somebody early on in life and I was raised in the Adventist church I'm very familiar with Adventism um I'm not here to say people shouldn't follow Adventism or that they should I don't really care what people decide they want to do I'm just looking at things to um you know uh, break it down and help people, you know, be able to apply this type of thinking, 
not just to um what I'm looking at in these specific um book book you know kind of chapters and passages but more so you know every everyone has kind of maybe their own beliefs even if even if they didn't grow up like religious um and I think it's always good to be at a place uh, where you start to challenge those things um so I can break down something in a way that I like to look at at stuff um and I haven't fully finished the um, notes on what I was breaking down um but I think it's a good topic to start with because it's something that a lot of people um, out there are kind of like maybe going back into um, or that they're raised with that it's a it's a big social issue when especially when it comes to, um, you know, the Roni Rona situation. We've all been kind of stuck inside, not really meeting a lot of new people or any people for that matter for a lot of us. Um, and so now that people are trying to get back out more, depending where you live, you might be getting out more. And, you know, I think this can apply too. like not just with dating and courtship and like this chapter about it, but also kind of with um, other things that you might have been kind of thinking about while you were inside by yourself stuck indoors um not really socializing like before if you were very social before you definitely probably noticed a difference um but not really socializing a lot before and then slowly like getting back into the social life where it's like now everything's pretty different um everybody's gone through a lot of different stuff I know, I don't know if you guys feel it, but I feel like it's different meeting people than it was. I've mentioned this before, how it's like, you know, if people have jobs or not, if people have housing or not, like at this time, it's like some things that you might even have looked at before, even if you take like dating, for example. Um, I mean, I believe it's good to be open-minded and not like judgmental, but I mean, a lot of people say this, you know, that like they don't want to date somebody who doesn't have a job or who isn't supporting themselves or um doesn't have like good habits or health habits or you know doesn't have a place to live or doesn't have a car like things like that I mean some of it's superficial like very surface level stuff but you know sometimes it's like a lot of us kind of just need somebody to be kind of in a stable position um and that's that's valid too but um yeah, it's it's kind of different now, right? Because a lot of times if you're like trying to date somebody, they might not have any of those things. And so like before, it would be like something that a lot of people would just write those types of people off. But now there's I'm just saying all that to say that, you know, um there's a lot of um factors contributing to people having to kind of shift their ideas um because it doesn't work like the old way of doing things isn't really working anymore for a lot of people and I think that's where a lot of people are getting stressed out because they're like okay I'm back at work okay I'm back at dating okay I'm back at hanging out with friends and family a lot of us depending on your culture you have holidays coming up and it's like 
I want to see my friends, I want to see my family, and it's like, do I really want to see them, or like, I'm so used to being by myself, maybe it's less stressful, or, you know, what's going to come up at this, at this Christmas holiday family dinner, like, is it going to be like all the others, or is it going to be like different and weird on some level, um, but, okay, so, one thing that I've kind of noticed that I I, I mean, people who know me very well, you know this about me. Um, there's something that really kind of um, piques my interest about the Amish church. Um, a lot of it is because, you know, they're so traditionally different than other Christians. Um, they kind of live a separate life outside of mainstream American culture. Um, some of them don't even live in the U.S. Um, I've heard, like, some people moving to, like, South America and, like, Venezuela, like, all kinds of, like, different places, um, which is fine. I mean, I have no problem with where people want to live. Um, like, like, they're a very self-sustaining culture. Um, they have their Pennsylvania Dutch language. They, you know, you know, they have communities of people, um, where they're able to either have, like, factories or, you know, uh, furniture, kind of, like, shops and different sorts of, like, um, building and carpentry and construction and farming and all sorts of ways, you know, like, you know, like, homemaking and caretaking and, like, cooking and children, child rearing and all sorts of different, like, jobs and and tasks that people do um they're very hardworking, and their religion basically promotes them following all of these very strict rules to work um they believe that they'll get to heaven by living this lifestyle by avoiding the you know modern comforts avoiding a lot of times electricity, internet, telephones, cell phones, um, driving cars. Um, I mean, there are like different, a whole lot of different things that, that they'll do with like either like getting in, you know, like they can hire drivers, some of them or like, you know, and then there's this whole part of the culture that a lot of them practice, I don't know if it's like more than half or, or all of, I don't think it's all of them, but there's something called Rumspringa where, they, where they're where they allowed at a certain age um, in their late teen years where they're kind of like coming of age, they're allowed to kind of go out, um, experience what's called the English world or like uh, mainstream American culture for the most part um, music, concerts, drinking, you know, but it's, it it varies, there is the very, um, like, maybe it's, like, a week for some, for some of the, some of the groups might do it for, like, a week, and it might not include, like, you still might not be able to drive or wear different clothes or, like, different things like that, and then there's all the way up to the, like, the level of, like, the groups that believe it's okay for the kids to like live outside, get their own jobs, get their own place, their own house, apartment, whatever, go to school, college, um, work outside of their community, live with other people, date other people, have sex with other people, um, just do all the things that they're not really allowed to do. Um, 
and when they decide to join the Amish church, they leave all of that and come back and follow all the rules. But they were given the opportunity to choose and and were exposed to that lifestyle, um, at least somewhat exposed um, to be able to kind of like, um, you know, know for sure that that they want to join. Um, and it, it it was mostly like looking at Amish culture that kind of got me thinking about more like kind of my own culture, how I grew up, like just a lot of a lot of just stuff that you just see, like it's kind of easier to see it in another person's uh, lifestyle or kind of like another person's culture through another person's lens, just kind of like observing from a distance and like seeing like, OK, this is kind of how they do this stuff. Um, and I started kind of studying the combination of things, a combination of things. Um, so what is said that happens in the church as far as um, the traditions versus, you know, the um, Christian Bible itself. So there's always going to be that kind of difference, right? Between the Christian Bible itself or the actual religion, if it's Islam or Judaism or whatever it may be, the actual religion itself, the actual text that people follow, and then the different groups that follow things differently, why they choose to do it that way, and then the traditions that they follow and the culture that they kind of have of their own and their own denominations or their own um, belief groups within the major religion. Um and then in addition to that, there's the um, kind of what it looks like to not do that. So room springer for Amish people is something that a lot of churches don't really have anything where it's like you're allowed to go do this other stuff um, for weeks or years or days or whatever it may look like. You're allowed to go do this. And as long as you, once you come back to the church, you're not doing that. Once you do get baptized, then if you do decide to come back and get baptized and you follow all the ways, um, you know, I, I don't know of, of many or any other churches that really have it so that they allow people to go do that. I feel like people just do it on their own maybe sometimes and then they leave and then they might come back or they might not. Um, but there is still that kind of pressure between like following the rules versus not following the rules, whether that's the rules that are the what the religion says or what the major texts say or what the what the different groups of the different denominations say, like because there's like differences between all those three things. And then there's the other side of like what it looks like when somebody has made a decision one way or the other. Um it seems like there's not really a lot of middle ground that people can are allowed or said. I feel like it's said that there's not a lot of middle ground. <clears throat> I see a lot of middle ground. Um, I see it with my own eyes and I observe it. Um, I don't know any Amish people. My family knows Mennonite people. Um... I don't know um, any specific person, you know, that's, you know, Amish, but um, 
I would say I know a lot of really, really religious people that are religious from all different sorts of religions. Um, but I can speak more to Christianity and specific Adventism, um, specifically Adventism, because that's how I was raised. So I know it more um, from the inside than I know the others. So I, I feel like I can't really talk about the others because I don't have like personal experience with them um on too deep of a level other than like studying it and like knowing people from those um groups or maybe reading their religious texts and things like that or maybe I've like come to some of their cultural events or come to their like temples and things like that and like tried it out just to see what it's like just for the experience and stuff but I wasn't like trying to convert or trying to like be in that religion or anything like I've definitely studied a ton with Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons um, I find their, um, beliefs fascinating and they're very relatable. Um, I feel like Mennonites and Amish are like on the, on the more extreme end, but then slightly less extreme. I think you see the Mormons, the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Adventists, probably Southern Baptists as well. Um, but I don't, I don't know too much about Southern Baptists either. But, I mean, I know kind of, like, basic stuff that I know, um, just because I interact with a lot of people from different religions. Like, I like to. I used to really love to. I used to always be, like, in forums online and stuff and, like, talking to people from, like, all over the world about, like, their religions and stuff. Like, I really thought it was great um, to just learn that way. But I'm not... um, Um, yeah, I can't, I don't really feel like I I would be the best person to speak on, like, every single religious background. Um, so, that's, that's what's kind of in the background of my mind when I'm thinking about certain texts, right? So, for people who don't know... I'm going to get into this book here. So for people who may not know, there's a book. There are many books by Ellen G. White. Um, Whether or not you believe she wrote things or you believe it was her husband or some other person. All those things are like things that you often hear people questioning. Um, So... Um, so you'll often hear people questioning the writings themselves anyways, but I mean, I'm not here to really talk about that because that's, that's a whole topic of its own, right? Um, sorry, I'm trying to like work with this PDF here that's like really glitchy. Um, oh man, I'm trying to get to the beginning of this, but it's just really, I'm like 40 something pages in trying not to scroll. I think I'm going to have to just scroll. Um, so the Adventist home is written by Ellen G. White. 
Um, this copyrighted version is from 1970, sorry, from 2017. Um, this edition was put, um, into works in like 1952. I, let me see. It says Ellen G. White's life was from 1827 to 1915. Um, and that she wrote over a hundred thousand pages on a wide variety of topics. And so I'm trying to find like when this actual book if it was what year this actual book was written. <clears throat> I don't know. I keep seeing May 8th of 1952. I feel like it probably was older cuz it sounds it's written like this ancient kind of 1800s writing this book has 18 sections 87 chapters the last chapter of this pdf is starting on page 431 so of the sections i'm not going to read all the chapter names there's a there's a section so first section about is called the beautiful the home beautiful um Talks about atmosphere, fundamentals, homemaking. Um, it talks about an Eden home pattern, if you know about the Garden of Eden and things like that. Um, the second section is a light in the community, talking about like influencing people from the like through your home life, like as well as you know people you meet and like social situations and being a, a witness as like a Christian. Um, section three talks about choosing a life partner. Um, and within that, there's a, there's chapter eight, which is common courtship practices. That's what we're going to get into. Um, but it talks about, you know, making the decisions and love versus infatuation. It talks about courtship. It talks about forbidden marriages, um, and when to seek like counsel of some sort. Um, and section four talks about, it's called factors that make for success or failure. I'm not going to read all these chapters for all these other things. Uh, section five for the marriage, from the marriage altar. Section six, the new home. Section seven, heritage of the Lord. Section eight, the successful family. Um, that's a good uh, section. It talks about... Um, the family as a sacred circle and children in, in school and their beginning school times and family companionship, um, love and security, <clears throat> preoccupy the garden of the heart, promises of divine guidance. Um, did I forget any? Oh, a work that cannot be transferred. Um, section nine talks about father, it's called the house bend, not husband, house band, like H-O-U-S-E band. Um, section 10, mother, queen of the household. Section 11, children, the junior partners. Section 12, standards of living. Section 13, the use of money. Section 14, guarding 
the avenues of the soul. Section 15, graces that brighten family life. Section 16, the home and its social relationships. And section 17, relaxation and recreation. And section 18, thou shalt be recompensed. I don't know what that word means. If that's it, if I'm even saying it right, recompensed. Um. Anyways, so this chapter eight, common courtship practices. Uh, man, I don't even like reading this kind of stuff. So I'll be honest with you, I don't like it. Um, it kind of just gives me a. It gives me a, kind of, just. It's just like a heavy feeling. It's not like pleasant. It's not like, oh, I like this. This is something I really want to um, talk about. Or it's not that I don't want to talk about it. It's just that it's a lot. Like, I'm not here to argue. Mm. I know it's like controversial. Everyone can have their own viewpoints on things. I just, I like looking at how to think about things that we that we think about. And I think applying a method to how we think, I mean, it can be tedious. It can be, you know, a little bit of a struggle, but I think it's important. I'm I'm coming more and more to find that it's important to search the things that, that we were taught growing up and, you know, think about it, you know. Um, and especially, especially, I mention this because... Um, a lot of people don't really live in alignment with what they say they believe or what they do believe. And then I think that creates a lot of toxic um, problems in people's relationships because they can't reconcile with, okay, I don't follow these things, even though I think I kind of believe it, but I'm kind of like teetering and, you know, hot and cold and kind of lukewarm um, and you know, internally, I know in my heart of hearts, I may not really believe this stuff, but then I keep telling myself I do, or I keep telling myself I'm going to do it, or I keep telling myself, you know, I'm going to do it later. And then I think this creates a lot of judgment for people to look down on other people. It it creates this kind of um, comfort for people to be like, well, I'm just going to look outside of myself and I'm going to judge all these other people who aren't following all those rules that I think I believe in. And it's like, come on, that's not helpful either because it creates these relationships that are just terrible. Like, it's terrible. And I I didn't really think about it too much, but it kind of hit me today. I was like relaxing and I was like, let me see what kind of Amish videos I haven't really touched on. Um, If you guys know me, you know, like, you know, I grew up with like a Friday night Sabbath, Friday night to Saturday night Sabbath. So like, I do like to kind of do some form of learning on like Friday nights, Saturday mornings. Um, And so I really wanted to do that. I really wanted to have like a topic to kind of like delve into. So I was like, but I was just, you know, chilling around looking at stuff. So I came across this um, video, these Amish guys interviewing each other I was watching that earlier today one of them I watch his stuff often and he was interviewing this other Amish guy um 
about they call it like their testimony like kind of like why they left their their church you know and like he was kind of going through this whole story about the whole uh, method about like how they got shunned and how there were different like like traumatic events that happened and different kind of like things that happened that you, that were like kind of not really too like um like he he started planning to to leave the church near like I guess his brother had left the church and his brother's wife and family were living separately outside of the Amish church for a while and then when there was a a death I'm not going to go too much into that cuz it might be triggering for people but there was a death that had happened in the community and this guy's family his parents wanted to go to the funeral and I think they lived in like Wisconsin or Minnesota like Wisconsin somewhere in Wisconsin um and the the funeral was going to be in Missouri and so they he went to the they went to the funeral the parents did and then the guy they were going to be gone for like four days and he was planning to leave and move to his brothers um and he was talking about his story about you know like when we hear Amish people when we hear about you know church people when we hear about religious people you think okay like they're practicing like good deeds and being nice and kind to each other but a lot of people the more you've been involved in a religion pretty hardcore for a long time you notice humans are humans on all levels but I feel like what happens in like religious communities is it can be damaging for people because these are supposed to be safer spaces for people but a lot of times they're not and it can be subtle but he was mentioning how he had some kind of issue where he was getting teased all the time and um you know like he had some kind of weak pituitary gland situation where like he wasn't like maturing through through puberty um he didn't look old enough he couldn't develop muscle very well he he was you know not getting the work done that his father needed him to do like around the house or on the farm or whatever i think he was farming um and just wasn't having good luck with his relationship with his father um and his brother was already gone and so it was like a lot of pressure on him to kind of like keep things going and I guess his parents weren't very supportive they they weren't thinking about his condition his health condition um that he was born with they just kind of ignored it and even though he was getting headaches and nearly passing out and having all these like blood sugar issues and all these other problems they kind of were just like oh he's not working hard enough he's kind of lazy he's like faking it and you know that really got to him obviously because like he he wanted to leave not just for that but other people would tease him too and so like other people in the community would tease him um about you know other things like he was like easy to scare and all this other kind of stuff so it's like um he didn't feel like very safe there or very, you know, comfortable or happy. And so he got to a place where he decided he was going to leave. And he talked about his process of leaving and everything too. And I think that is common for a lot of people. I just think it's not always because of teasing. Um, and he did, he did also mention about like studying doctrines and studying the religion. And when he started getting into, you know, talking about being baptized into the church and like what he kind of noticed uh, at least with his group of Amish that he was a part of he kind of noticed a little bit of discrepancies between like okay like I thought you know if I'm gonna get baptized I'm gonna learn like I'm gonna start learning and like 
you know, get all this knowledge about like God and the church and the Bible and all this stuff. And it turned out he was pretty disappointed that they were just teaching like basic, basic stuff about like, you need to believe in God. And it's like, he was like, I've already been taught that since I was like three years old. Like that's not like news. Um, and so he was disappointed that he didn't feel like he was learning. Um, and it was kind of like a superficial, like church kind of like playing, playing a playing a it was like a play or something it wasn't like actual like devotion to like higher being or actual like community and like safe community and like good social environment um and I think a lot of people from a lot of religions have this kind of experience um on their own levels in their own ways um some people leave completely because of it and then some people kind of just find their own path that's like doesn't look exactly like the traditional method of following whatever it is and so let's see so I'm not going to read the whole chapter cuz it's it's a lot it's a lot but um so chapter 8 common courtship practices um, I'm just going to go through the sections first. So it's, it's, it's divided into like multiple bold points. Um, so it says wrong ideas of courtship and marriage, keeping late hours, trifling with hearts, deceptive practices in courtship. Um, so wild oats reap a bitter crop. Like, oh, is that the last one? Yeah, that's the last one. Um, and these whole, there's all these like manuscripts that they quote from Bible scriptures that they quote from, um, they have references at the end of every chapter, like different sorts of church manuscripts, like, um, from like the 18, from like 1885, 1888, 1884, these are old things, um, like fundamentals of Christian education, um, manuscript for a testimonies for the church, the review and herald, um, fundamental, uh, I said that already fundamentals of Christian education. Yes, I said that already. Um, the signs of the times messages to young people. Um, these are just the types of Adventist, you know, manuscripts that you find, like, there's so much to read outside of the Bible. Like, it's just a lot. There's a lot. Like, these are just some of the books. And these are, like, hundreds of pages worth of, like, in some of these books there or, or, you know, manuscripts of different types. Like, there, there's just a lot to read. And so if you're thinking about it, like, a lot of religions do have this, too, where they have, like, the main religious book. And then there's, like, these other little offshoots of, like different groups of people who follow different doctrines that are written documents or even like by word like spoken types of words of different people that they kind of follow they follow like these um teachings or beliefs or the writings or whatever it is that they follow um and sometimes they're even taught that you have to follow this or else you're not really going to be a part of of us if you don't um and so the way I look at things, like I broke down this one, like the very beginning, for example. Um, so 
I broke down this one. So with the wrong the with the section that's called wrong ideas of courtship and marriage. So it's just the first little paragraph. I'm not even going to read every single every single thing. I'm not going to read it all because we will be here forever with the amount of information. Like it's basically a lifelong, you know, a lifelong practice of studying this kind of stuff. I grew up studying this kind of stuff. I grew up like like the back of my hand like I you know I know I know a lot of this stuff you know and I learned it young and I feel like they teach people young because it sticks um a lot of the stuff I even notice if I try and like study it now or learn it now it's like I'm just so busy with so much other stuff I don't devote that much time or as much time or as much energy it doesn't just soak in and you know that neuroplasticity isn't quite there you know um i'm older so the energy's not quite there and then my memory is a little less sharp than it was like with certain things like but with religious doctrines and things i think that's kind of one of those things i've always kind of been pretty sharp in uh just cuz i've kind of developed like the skill of like study um of those types of things um but study now for me isn't so much to do it it's not to try to follow it it's more to not really discredit it or find like fault with it but to challenge it to for my own um self more so to say like is this something that i i you know authentically relate to for myself, for my life, for me, like, is this how I would say, yeah, this really resonates with me. And I think that, you know, I need to live my life this way. Or is it like, uh, not really, like, I can see why people would go those routes, or follow those messages or follow the writings and stuff. Um, and the, and the, you know, because they believe in it. Uh, And it's different if you don't believe in it, or if you think it's coming from like, one of those other places I mentioned before, like some kind of like leadership, you know, control or um, scare tactics or just people wanting to like rule over other people um, or like a religion wanting to have like more people or a church wanting more people. Um, it could be like financial reasons they want more people or whatever it may be. Um, so, OK, so I'm just going to read the first paragraph. Wrong ideas of courtship and marriage. The ideas of courtship have their foundation in erroneous ideas concerning marriage. They follow impulse and blind passion. The courtship is carried on, sorry, the courtship is carried on in a spirit of flirtation. The parties frequently violate the rules of modesty and reserve and are guilty of indiscretion if they do not break the law of God. So when I look at something like that, it's like, it's easy to read it and just be like, yeah, these people are doing wrong, right? It's e- that's first, the, the way it's written is in a way that makes you think, oh, like, shoot, this is saying that there's stuff wrong that I, meaning I shouldn't do that. So let me focus on what's wrong when I'm reading this, because that's what it, this section is even called. 
wrong ideas of courtship and marriage. So you're already thinking, what are the wrong ideas? What are the wrong ideas? If they didn't label it anything, if they didn't label it the wrong ideas, this would just be like ideas of courtship and marriage, right? You would just come to that conclusion that like, there's different ways of doing things in courtship and marriage. And then there's a really strict, um, kind of, uh, a really strict method of doing this. And then there's a more like flexible kind of open-minded way of doing things. Um, but it kind of implies, um, that there's a lot of things that are wrong. And so, some things that it implies that would be considered wrong, um, according to what this passage is is mentioning, um, impulse, impulse is considered wrong. Uh, blind passion is considered wrong. Spirit of flirtation is is considered wrong. Um, if you're not being modest, that's considered wrong. Um, and if you're not practicing like reserve, that's considered wrong. Um, and then breaking the law of God would be considered wrong. And so you can already see that like a lot of people don't even believe in any of those things that I just mentioned that would have been considered wrong. Right. So if you're going to talk to somebody, what, what often happens is people are like, okay, I believe this. I'm convicted of this. This works for me. I see all these things as wrong because it says here that it's wrong. And I have this emotional, um, thing that's happening to me that's saying this is wrong. This is wrong. And so now I'm going to go talk to other people and tell them that it's wrong, right? But if you talk to somebody and they automatically already don't think that there's anything wrong with those with those different topics, even the first paragraph isn't going to work, you know? It's like it and it's not about like trying to get people to believe you or whatever. It's just, you know, you can't come at people like that. It's like it would make more sense if you're like, "Okay, I see my friend and that's already judgmental. That's already judgmental being like, I see this person is over there and they're doing wrong. So let me go tell them what my book tells me to go explain that they're wrong. Um, that's already judgmental, right? I think a better approach, a healthier approach, just as, and this is just how I see things, getting to know another person's perspective first, right? So you might look at them and say, oh, they do things differently than what this book says or what I'm taught or what my traditions or culture or religion or whatever, or my beliefs are. They're different than me. And you just might look at how they do things and and you might say, hey, let's go out to, let's go out to your comfort zone, you know, not come to my church, but let's go to your bar, you know, and talk about, you know, your dating life, like not like getting in everybody's business. But I mean, like if you're friends and you're like maybe not on the same belief, uh, the terms of belief, you know, you want to get to know them for no reason other than to get to know them because they're your friend. Right. That's the agenda is to get to know them because you care about them, not to get to know them because you want to convert them to your religion not to get to talk to them because you want to put them down for doing things that you feel like you need to judge them on. If you feel like you need to judge people, usually you need to look at your own self and think about why you want to judge them. Usually it's because um, of some kind of insecurity. That's usually why people judge others. Um, I wouldn't call it judging if it's like you see somebody doing something that you're like, that's reckless that's dangerous 
you know, you're going around doing all these things and your dating practices that are just like not healthy. You know, you're hurting yourself, you're hurting other people. Like it doesn't have to be like killing or anything, but like you're hurt, you're you're causing emotional injuries and things. And like, yeah, that would make sense to step, you know, uh, not like forcefully, but just like come to somebody and be like, yo, you're you're kind of like overdoing it. Do you notice that you're kind of overdoing it? I'm your friend. I just want to tell you that what you're doing is kind of not maybe how you see it. And maybe you're doing it because you have a lot of, you know, frustration about things or you're trying to figure it out and that makes sense, but it's like I'm your friend and I care and I don't want to want you going want to see you going down a destructive path and I feel like obligated to talk to you about it if I see you doing that, you know, like it's not like I'm judging you, you need to follow my book, come join my religion or else, you know, like that is a whole different thing, but that's how people a lot of times in religions, especially Christianity, They'll come at other people about like, I already believe this thing. I already believe that I already believe in the law of God. I already believe in, you know, impulses being bad or flirtation being bad or, you know, not being modest, being bad or not practicing reserve as being bad. Um, It's just bad. So. I don't want other people to do it and I see them doing it and I need to like tell them not to do it. Like that doesn't come across well. People don't like it. People don't enjoy you saying it. People don't, um, they're not going to be open to you if you're, if you're doing that and people can tell, right? It's almost like how we can tell when somebody comes knocking at your door and they're trying to sell you something or when a telemarketer calls you, it's the exact freaking same feeling of like, this person is trying to sell me something I don't want. How do I get off the line? How do I shut the door? How do I be polite and be like, go away? You know, it's the same reaction when somebody's trying to like convert you to the religion. Like it's not pleasant. It's like, oh, here they come with this thing that I don't really want. Um, but if you do feel like what you do is right and good and better or beneficial to other people, then you just do it. You do it and you live your life and people are going to see the way you live your life and they're naturally going to come up and talk to you about it. They're naturally going to ask you about like, oh, why don't you drink or why don't you do this thing? I mean, I drink. I'm I'm not going to say I don't, but I mean, they're going to come up and ask you about it because they're curious because they they see oh this might be beneficial for me to consider and it's not like you are right so that's why they're coming up to you but there are different ways that people practice different things in their life and it's okay it's okay for people to shift what they're doing because they're like that's not working for me and then you look at some of your friends or family or people around in your work or whatever and you're like oh they do this and that seems to help them balance things out a lot better and you might want to talk to them about that and find out what they're doing um but a lot of times you know if it's not coming from a place of like wanting to get to know your friend or wanting to get to know this person um, then the conversation probably shouldn't even happen unless it's like out of you trying to help somebody who's being destructive in some way or another. I don't, I don't really think it's appropriate to just be like trying to like convert people all the time. Like that's really weird and rude and judgmental. Um, but yeah, if you can already see that, like somebody would look at something and naturally be like, I don't even believe in all these like strict 
you know, things about your impulses and like modesty and all this sorts of stuff. Like if somebody already doesn't believe that way, they're not going to listen to you. They're not going to care about anything you have to say from a book from the 1800s. Nobody cares about this, you know, like nobody cares unless they actually want to know. But if you do get to know them and you do see their life and you do see how they're doing things, it's good to know why it works for them, why they like it, why they do it, um, where they learned it from, what their tradition and culture kind of teaches, and get to know them almost on the same level that that, uh, that a person would try to like convert somebody. You want to just know that information that, that the person converting would want to be telling about their own selves to try to convert somebody, you want to know that stuff about another person. You don't want to try to convert them. You want to learn about them because that creates an authentic relationship that creates an actual relationship and a trust level and not just you're like an annoying telemarketer. Um, so I think that's where a lot of religions go kind of wrong is that they're, they're selfish and, you know, they practice these like selfish methods thinking, you know, everybody needs what I do. Everybody needs what I've learned and everybody needs my advice because um, it works for me and it doesn't work. I see what they're doing and I can't understand possibly how that works for them. So I'm going to tell them that they're wrong. And so I need them to change. And it's like, what on earth? Nobody likes somebody coming at them saying, like, you're wrong. You need to change. You're doing bad things. Like, it's like, dude, it's my own business. Um, and I think, I mean, you can kind of see. I mean, if you have your own beliefs, even if it's not a religion, if anybody came up to you, your neighbor, anybody, and was like, you know, I don't like the way I see you doing this thing. And, you know, and, and it's not really a big issue, like, the way you mow your lawn, you know, it's kind of weird and dumb. And I think you should mow your lawn like me. Let me come over to your house next week. I'm going to bring my lawnmower and I'm going to show you how to do it. Like if you're not even doing it wrong and then they just want to kind of get in your business and do weird stuff. It's almost the same. It's like it's totally overstepping. Like let people just live their lives and do whatever the heck they want to do on their own terms. If that's what feels good to them. And they're not hurting anybody. There's really no reason to really approach it. Um, but this whole chapter has ideas like this. This just about the wrong ways of doing things. Um, like once you take once you take down the main concepts that seem like they're judgmental and negative, um, you want to look at those terms and kind of maybe like define them like impulsivity or even something wrong like wrong wrong in this context is something that's breaking the law of god breaking the law of god or breaking the written information in ellen g white's textbooks um <clears throat> that's what or or not following what the church teaches um or what the religion teaches or whatever like those are three different things that's like three different ways to be wrong um and then if you just consider it as breaking God's law um, the or the law of God, I mean, the law of God, I think most people would believe the law of God is love. Um, the law of God is not necessarily like some judgmental, forceful thing. 
that's used to control people. But that's what religion has become a lot of the time, right? Is a judgmental, forceful thing that somebody's trying to control. Even, I mean, not even leaders. I don't even want to put this only on leaders. Because when I think of it, I've known some really good leaders that that really genuinely just care about your health and well-being. And they're never judgmental about like, oh, I don't go to that church or I don't go to any church or I don't believe in that anymore. And they're just like, I just hope, you know, just you know, you don't forget where you come from and just kind of, um, you know, find benefit in your life and healthy decisions and balance and love. You know, they're not concerned about like, oh, you don't still go to the same church I met you at when you were like six. Um, but yeah, um, there are also leaders, uh, not leaders, but like people in the church that are judgmental and try to be controlling as well. And I think the judgment comes from a place of wanting that control. Like if I'm judging somebody, it puts me in control because I know better than they do. At least in my head, I do. I know something that they don't know. So I'm telling them about what they're doing and how it's wrong. Um, because I know, I know about it and they're making mistakes because they don't know about it. Um, so that's what I would say is, is, you know, one of the focuses is really, you know, people want to judge, people want to control. Um, it feels good to be like feeling better than other people, but I mean, it's not, it's not really the best way to build strong relationships with people is to feel like you're superior uh, because you know or do some religious thing um, that you feel like makes you better than other people. I mean, that's not, that's not really, I don't think that's okay, really. Like, but I think people do also kind of, um, Like, they don't really notice that it's kind of a toxic wave of inter- way of interacting, right? Like, the people I know who act that way, who are judgmental, who are, you know, kind of, like, very critical and gossiping and all this stuff, those people genuinely feel like they're doing the right thing. A lot of them do. A lot of it comes from a place of, I need to do this because I'm right and I don't want everybody to go to hell, I mean, they really feel and believe this. And so it, it, part of me, like, sympathizes and feels like, well, you know, how hard it is for them that they're, like, over there suffering because nobody wants to follow what they say. Um, but at the same time, it's like, leave people alone, you know? <laughs> like, so it's kind of like, I can kind of see it from, like, the perspective of people who have the belief. And not everybody who has beliefs or religion or or you know, follows a denomination or a different sect or group or cultural, you know, practices and things. Not everybody's judgmental. Not everybody's trying to be controlling. Not everybody. But the people who aren't are usually the people that you don't hear about. Um, I mean, there's some, maybe like Mother Teresa, Gandhi, you know, like you hear about different people like that, that are like, 
whoa, like another level, like the Dalai Lama, you know, you, you hear about these people and you're like, wow, like, but they weren't, they weren't saying this kind of stuff to people either. They weren't like, you're wrong. I judge you. Like, I judge you. You're going to hell. Like they weren't like doing that really, at least from what I I know about them, they didn't seem to be doing that, but other people do, you know? And I think when that is happening, it's, it's from an insecure place. So if anybody is still trying to like, is, is part of religion or still wants to stay with their religion and is kind of conflicted about like, I don't want to do this because of these people are driving me nuts. It's like, you know, your religion isn't between you and the rest of the congregation of people that has nothing to do with any, any religion really, other than the fact of people having good social relationships. And sometimes, you know, it's just, it's just best to take it as a challenge to practice a lot of the good positive stuff that religions teach about love and peace and harmony and things like that, that, you know, just swallow your pride and just suck it up and have to deal with these crappy people and you know you'll be better for it but I mean it's not to say that they're not going to hurt you that it's not going to hurt or that it's not going to be like a toxic environment but you can still be you know um, a loving light in in your own religious community and be religious and not be a jerk Um, And there are going to be religious jerks. They're the ones who are usually going to be at the forefront that everyone's going to see and hear that people aren't going to feel comfortable or good around. Um, The best thing is really to focus on, you know, not judging people on creating the authentic, caring relationships, showing people love. I mean, people should know that they can come to you about things. I mean, maybe not like overwhelmingly so that like everybody's knocking on your door every minute of the day, like trying to get help from you. But um, because you still have to live your life and balance your own stuff, too. You can't just be all day, every day, just like giving, 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 giving. You have to give back to yourself, too. Um, But I know a lot of people really struggle with religion. Um, I would say what I've learned about mainstream American culture and religion, especially Christianity, is that a lot of people are like, um, their, their Christian tradition isn't as intensive as some of the more like extreme Christian traditions, like the Adventists, like the Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses and Mennonites and Amish and all those guys uh, out on that end of the spectrum of Christianity. Like, I don't feel like a lot of the other um, mainstream type churches are like they're not so rule based. They do have schools, but I feel like they're not like not every denomination is so focused on like educating their kids and keeping educating their kids only within their their religion and keeping them outside of the mainstream culture to have like a a life separate from from the mainstream culture I think like with Catholics and other most other Protestant groups you still see them at public schools you still see them around doing things and maybe in the household it might be pretty strict or like inside the doors of the religious you know places it might be pretty strict but you know a lot of a lot of my friends and people that I've known and grown up with or like met 
I, I wouldn't even really know what religion they were or what, you know, type of Christian they were. Um, I'm not saying they're bad people. They're all great, amazing people. That has nothing to do. I don't want it to sound like that's what I'm saying because I don't believe that at all. But um, the reason why I'm saying it is because I think there's some re- some denominations where they are more like they're very likely to kind of be outspoken and try to like convert people into like change a whole lifestyle of somebody to have them come over and do all these things um but there's a I think there's a there's another part of mainstream American culture where people don't really care to do things that way and I think that's fine Um, I wasn't raised around a lot of people who believe that being raised in an Adventist environment, people don't really believe that way. They believe that they're right, that the Adventist way is right. Um, Keeping the Sabbath Friday to Friday night to Saturday night is right. Um, Being kind of like knowledgeable of all these LNG white teachings and things because of the health benefits of having a balanced lifestyle. That's right. Um... I mean, there's a lot of, like, in theory, when I think about it and I look at it, I'm like, I do believe in these things um, for the purpose of, like, balancing your lifestyle. I don't believe it as, like, a point of judgment. I don't believe it as a point of control. I don't believe it um, should be something that you have to, like, try to make other people do. Um, I think if you want to do this to balance your own life, then just do it. If you want to keep the Sabbath, you do that. If you don't want to work on the Sabbath, you just do it. If you want to be vegetarian or vegan, you just do it on your own. Like you don't have to like have like a whole thing, like a whole conniption about like other people having different ways of living their lives. Like it's not really something that's concerning or should be concerning um if you want to live your life it you know people will see how you live your life anyways you know, I don't think you really have to talk about it ever like I don't think you ever really have to mention I mean people will maybe ask you but I don't think you ever really have to mention what religion or denomination you are um um people will know what it is um if they see something that you're doing that's consistent and seems beneficial to your life and they notice that you're benefiting from it people around you want to know what you do that makes it so that your life feels good and feels nice to you, that you feel happy. Um, people, people look at happy people and they're like, why is this person so happy? I want to know why you're so happy. Why are you so peaceful? Why are you so, why do you think in this sort of way? And like, what are you doing that like helps you? I, you know, people naturally will just want to know that just by you living your normal life, going to work, going to school, socializing, going out and stuff, you know, and if you really want to connect with people, you can connect with people on a, on a deeper level. You don't have to connect with them on some surface level controlling kind of judgmental ego, ego kind of like driven kind of like method of like talking to people. Um, it doesn't have to come to that. A lot of times, unfortunately, it does. And that's why different religions and denominations get a bad name because they're known for harassing people with all these kind of like problematic judgmental methods that they try to like get people to kind of like 
be controlled. Um, and nobody wants to be controlled, really. I mean, I don't want to be controlled. Um, it doesn't feel good, and it's not... People don't gravitate towards it. Um, not really. And I think it's important for people to kind of know how to be genuine and how to have um, good connections with other people and not spreading toxic lessons or, you know, ideas. Um, I just use that little bitty um, paragraph to talk about, you know, just just in general how people look at stuff. Um, how people look at something. Um, I mean, if you're defining some of these things, it, I never finished the, the definitions because um, I was ranting. But, um, you know, if it says that blind passion is wrong. Um, so kind of like if you're kind of having like, like passion is like when you really care about something. And you're very, like, um, concerned. You have a lot of, like, emotional, um, like, emotional views or, like, desire to kind of, like, Sorry, there's some skaters. I'm kind of, like, really distracted right now. Like, yeah, so passion is kind of, like, when you really care about something, when you really have a desire to kind of, like, be involved with it. Um, But they say blind passion, so it's kind of, like, it's one thing to have passion. Blind passion is kind of similar to impulse, which it mentions before, like, Impulse is kind of just, like, acting without really too much conscious thought. And then if you have blind passion, it's kind of like you're acting without the conscious thought. But also because you you really care about something, but you're not really thinking too much into it. Um, so it's saying that that's wrong. Um, so spirit of flirtation. I mean, everybody knows what flirting is, like... Just kind of like, kind of like showing somebody that you care about them in a certain way or like giving them the impression that you have like some sort of sexual interest or some sort of like fun, excitable interest um, that you want to like share with them without actually like always saying it outright. Like you can say things that kind of like dance around it, but like you're not really like outright just like saying like, hey, I'm into you. Like you're kind of like showing it in other like little fun kind of almost sexual ways it doesn't have to be sexual completely but kind of is um implied um and the spirit of flirtation is kind of like when you're kind of like having the idea that you want to kind of react with somebody that way um and like, when it talks about modesty and reserve, it's, like, modesty is, uh, I can just talk about it from the Adventist perspective. A lot of it has to do with clothing and what you eat or drink or how you spend your time. 
So modesty in Adventism is, you know, not wearing maybe like skin tight things or revealing kind of stuff or something that costs a lot of money would be not considered too modest. Um, Something that is maybe like... um, Let me see, like plain, more on the plain side, um, as far, like, it wouldn't be, like, overly decorated, kind of, like, loud, or, like, kind of, like, uh, like, really fun-looking, like, party-festive kind of stuff, like, it it would be more kind of, like, subdued colors and things like that, like, it doesn't have to be that extreme, like, people usually kind of wear whatever, but probably wouldn't be wearing, like, some glittery sequin, like, I don't know what name brands there are that cost a lot of money. I don't know if Versace makes freaking, like, dresses. I don't know, like, something like that. Like a gown. Like one of those gowns that somebody would wear to, like, the Grammys or something. (laughs) Like, something like that. I mean, it could still be modest as far as, like, how it looks, as far as the cut of it. But price-wise, fancy stuff like that is maybe not really... I don't think Adventist traditional Adventists would really be like, oh yeah, that's, that's modest. Um, I don't really care what people want to wear. It's just tiring. I don't have energy to care what people want to wear. Just wear what you want to wear. Um, especially if you're an adult, like who can tell you what, um, and reserve, reserve is kind of like when you're trying to like keep something kind of more to yourself. Like, someone who's reserved is, like, not really outspoken. They might think open-mindedly, or they might think, you know, have thoughts of, like, um, like, they might have thoughts, but they're not necessarily, like, um, not, Yeah, they're not really outspoken too much. Um, They might be kind of shy or act kind of more like they're shy. Like, they kind of, like, don't act too, like, they're not very, like, forthcoming with, like, everything. Or, like, aggressive or boisterous. Nothing like that. Um, But kind of just looking at these words. I mean, when you even look at them and define them, it's like when when you look at all those definitions of the things that it's kind of implying are wrong, like, do you believe that? Do you believe that this is wrong? Like, impulsive, um, you know, blind passion, all those things I said, spirit of flirtation, um, you know, not being modest or reserved, things like that. Like, do you feel like it's wrong? So if you don't feel like it's wrong, then it's going to be hard to read something like this, right? So it's like, that's why I think it's hard for people when they're like, wanting to like, stay in their traditions, and then they start reading stuff and they're like, but I don't believe this, 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 and that. And then it's like, you know, I already think I already feel like I don't like if I already feel like I don't believe that those things are wrong, and I'm about to read a whole entire chapter about courtship practices that are wrong but I don't believe the same way I don't believe that this is necessarily wrong all the time or wrong at all or wrong on some level you know but this book is saying it's all wrong all the time and so it's kind of like um 
that's one way to kind of challenge things, just kind of looking at it and challenging, like, why do I think like this? How do I think like this? Why, you know, what's going on with my thought processes? And, like, and then the emotional connection to it as well, which is usually, like, um, kind of, like, there's kind of multiple levels of an emotional um, that dynamic, but I think a lot of it comes from, you know, there's going to be an emotional charge to something that you were taught growing up. Um, usually you're going to have like some kind of an emotional charge related to that. Um, and if there's like something with a religion where it's like, they make you have this emotional connection to the scriptures or to the beliefs and the ideas, um, it's one thing to believe something or think about it or be taught it. It's another thing to, um, hold to it because of your emotional kind of like connection to it. And I think that's one thing to look at too, because a lot of times people think I believe this, but it's not really that they think like their thoughts believe it. It's more like their emotions are connected to the ideas it's almost like when you watch the news and you hear certain stuff or or in politics, for example, when there's like a Democrat or a Republican or whatever, you hear people like if if like, for example, if somebody's a Democrat and a Republican comes on the stand and starts talking, a comment that a Democrat might make is like, I don't even want to listen to the person here. Come to here. I don't want to listen to this person here. Come the the Republicans and all their thoughts. And they think A, B, C, and D. And like, that's not right. It's wrong. And it's like, there's already this emotional kind of like tie to like why they already don't even want to listen to what the Republican person has to say. I mean, I, maybe politicians are like a, a, a not so good example because I don't believe any politicians of what any of them have to say. But I mean, I would just say that, you know, when it comes to religion, it's kind of the same thing. Like people kind of have their beliefs tied up in emotion and it, it kind of can cloud, you know, any any open-minded thinking, you know, um, I noticed I have the same problem. Like when I, like, for example, I was listening to that, um, um, Amish guy and I'm going to wrap up soon, but I was listening to that Amish guy talk about, um, his experiences, why he left the Amish church. Let me find it in my history. I can find it. Um, hopefully shortly I can find this. So it was called, um, so it's from the, the YouTube channel, Eli Yoder, E-L-I as the first name, last name Yoder, Y-O-D-E-R, and it's called Levi Schrock's testimony when he grew up Amish, I don't know what the rest of it says because it's next to the thumbnail, but if you look at Eli Yoder's channel and look at Levi Schrock's testimony, there's a part one, there's a part two. So, you know, I was saying like, I have that kind of like emotional kind of like reaction to things too. I think everybody does. But, you know, I was looking at the, fir- the first one when I was listening to the testimony and his whole story and everything. It was like, cool, good. 
And then I started driving. I was on my way to the beach and I was like, oh, it's about a 30 minute drive. So I want to like listen to the second part. And so I listened. I started listening to the second part. It looks like I got quite a ways in, like maybe 20 minutes in. But that part was Levi Schrock. I don't know if it's Levi or Levy. Um, Levi Schrock talking about um, his um, kind of more like scripture based testimony of like different experiences he had that weren't Bible based while he was in the Amish church. So he started talking more about biblical scriptures and the Bible and for me, it was kind of like, okay, I heard the first one, and now here's the second one, and I'm like, I don't really want to listen to him, like, quoting the Bible, you know? Like, it, I kind of had this reaction of, like, I can I can feel what he's saying, I understand where he's coming from, but there was something about him just, like, quoting the Bible that was, like, kind of a bit of a turnoff to me, compared to him talking about his personal life and his own life story, I feel like for me, I got more out of that. Like, I feel like when when somebody starts like quoting out of Bibles and stuff, I almost get that impression like, oh, no, they're trying to like make me think a different method or they're trying to like make me think this other way um, or change my thoughts. But I'm like, I do try to be open minded to it and listen to it, even if it's not the full. This one was like an hour and 30 minutes of him talking about it. Um I didn't want to listen to the full thing, but I was like, I'll give it some time and I'll listen to it in bits and pieces. I'm not going to listen to it all a hundred, you know, 90 minutes total. I, I just want to give it a chance. Cause I did like what he had to say. So why wouldn't I like, you know, hearing kind of like the scriptural passages that he kind of chooses to, to talk about, he's still ch- talking about his own life too. Um, and saying like, okay, Amish people don't do this or Amish people, at least where he was raised, weren't doing this or that. Um, and he's comparing it to like scriptures. But for me, this just, it's just the hard, it's just, I just don't like that. It's just something that for me, like I've, I was raised around people who would do that to people. Like I would, I would literally be like with groups of people who would just like invite people to their house you know dinner thing just to kind of like it wasn't really like I don't think they consciously were trying to ambush them but it was basically an ambush it's like everybody invite your friends that aren't Adventists and then it's like they just pull out some bibles and be like do you believe this do you believe this how about abc how about xyz do you believe this do you do that you're wrong you're wrong you're wrong you're wrong you know and they do it to each other they do it to other groups of Adventists there's like What's the purpose of, like, wasting your whole weekend night doing that? Like, the dinner was cool. It was fun to watch a movie together. Let's play some games. Like, let's do something that's, like, lighthearted and beneficial. And you can talk about, like, judging each other later on. Like, you don't have to do it, like, all right now. But, I mean, it's like they would take events and, like, opportunities like that to kind of, like, try to tell people how they weren't living in alignment with with what the bible would say and it wasn't really it didn't seem to me that it was coming from like a loving place i feel like maybe they thought they were doing it from a loving place and that's where there's a lot of like conflict because it's like it's hard to really know um somebody's genuine kind of like why they're doing something like because they don't really say like, ha, I'm just trying to trap you because I feel low and I want to pump myself up and make myself feel better. So let me judge you about these things. Like nobody says that. 
Um, and you can't just like look at somebody's life and say like they're insecure, so they're doing this. Um, but it's hard to really know, like, between, like, do they really believe it? Do they really, is it really, like, based on emotion? They feel like they need to kind of convert everybody. Like, it it comes from a lot of different places. And a lot of times it does come from a place of love and wanting to spread, like, oh, I found this thing that works so well for me and it works so good. It's changed my life. I want to share this with everybody. Who doesn't want to share that kind of stuff with your friends and your family, you know, if I find some vegetable that, like, gives me, like, excellent focus when I eat it at night for dinner and I wake up and I'm, like, great, ready to go for work, of course I'm going to tell my friends to eat that thing. I'm going to be like, eat this thing. Like, it's good for you. It helps. Um, Will they all eat it? No. Will I get mad? No. But I think when it comes to religion or something more, like, personal, people are like, well, why don't you eat my vegetable? Like, why don't you take what I have to say? Because it benefited me. You know, I need you to do this. I do think there are a lot of people who care like that, who do really think, hey, I found this thing that works so good. I really want to share it with all the people I care with because I feel like it could help them. But I feel like the message gets lost because people feel like they're being judged. People feel like they're being like, um, kind of like sold to like uh, like I'm trying to sell this thing to you that you don't even want um or people feel like they're trying to like somebody's trying to control them I think people would prefer to naturally come to these conclusions on their own or to naturally have a curiosity about it on their own and then they'll approach the person from that religion or from that non-religion or from that spiritual belief or that, you know, lifestyle, they're going to approach somebody. And like, I think all of us do that when we, when we want to know something, we Google it, we look it up, we watch YouTube videos about it. We talk to people who are like from that culture. We want to get to know all the stuff about it because we think that they have something that we haven't learned yet. So we want to learn it and we want to practice and do it. And hopefully we find benefit and we're, we're happier because of it. And I think everyone just does that to try to find their paths to happiness I or more happiness. I don't think that people really... Um, always are in a place to or want to or need to hear another person's um, kind of like doctrines and manuscripts and all these like traditional things uh, from especially from religions I feel like it hurts people when when they feel like someone else is trying to control them it's like I thought this person was my friend and now they just want to sit and like argue with me about like why eat meat you know it's like what the hell what's going on you know like um and people take it too far not only just the mentioning of it but it's like people will literally be arguing and you know like below the belt kind of comments and judging others and just like you know they do this and they say you know we love you we do this out of love and it's like that doesn't feel like love you know like and I think I think with I don't want to say just religion or Christianity I think with anyone who has any kind of belief system 
Um, but definitely with religion because of the history of kind of like, like problems that it's caused for people too. It's like, I feel like people often aren't able to hear of the beneficial sides. And I do think that a lot of religions have a lot of beneficial things that people can learn from them. Just like, you know, when I look at different cultures, like their diets, like Indian food diet or like Japanese food diet and different kind of diets that, you know, people live longer or they have different health benefits that Americans might not have um, in these other countries and other cultures because they're eating these things healthy and it, like they're doing these practices that are good and balancing and beneficial I'm not saying you have to go and, like, do everything that the Japanese culture does or do everything that people in India do. But, you know, there are pieces that people kind of see of other cultures and traditions that they see it and they're like, that might benefit me. So I'm going to be more open to, like, learning about it. And if you don't see that it would benefit you, you're probably not going to learn about it. I think it is okay for people to just kind of in passing, like, mention stuff. But other than that, I feel like if other people aren't, like, grasping at it, there's no need to really keep bringing it up all the time. Um, But I think that's where a lot of religious people kind of aren't heard is because nobody wants to really listen to that. And they don't really see it. They're not really in tune with the people who aren't religious because of the mindset of, like, the person who's not religious doesn't know they're lost they're in the dark they're you know on the other path you know i need to bring them over here to the light on my path you know like it's kind of like it can and it can really come from a genuine caring place but at the same time it's like nobody wants to be treated like that it's not you know especially if it's like an adult and another adult it's like you know love people for who they are um i mean what they do you should love what other people decide to do um if it's working for them you should be cheering that like they found things that work good in their life that they don't feel that they need to change because they're so happy with it you know like if my friend wants to smoke a bowl every other day Why am I going to be like, that's bad because my religion says don't do it. It's like if you're finding joy from it and it's not hurting you, um, if you're not telling me, oh, I'm having financial problems because I'm buying too much pot or like, oh, like my lungs are having issues because I'm smoking too much weed or my neighbors are complaining because the smoke is like going into their house or like I'm doing it and it's illegal where I live and stuff, something that's like, okay, like maybe calm it down because that doesn't sound like it's helping you but if somebody's not actually having a problem with the thing that they're doing I mean just because I don't believe in it and I have no problem with people smoking weed guys I mean I've got a whole LLC like related to hemp like I'm not even I'm not even gonna like pretend like like I like there's certain stuff that I am like totally like abstinent from or you know um I grew up Adventist and you probably would never know honestly and like other than just maybe like the the style I have of like learning 
and my interest in things and the knowledge I have about certain stuff that like other people probably couldn't care less about if they didn't grow up Adventist because they didn't know about it because they never needed to. Um, I have a lot of Adventist knowledge, but it's like, yeah, you wouldn't really necessarily know unless you talk to me more. And I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not like, oh, I need to look Adventist and pretend like I'm doing these things and then say that I'm doing it and say that I'm part of this thing. And then I just run around and do all this other stuff. Like, I don't care if people want to call me Adventist or not. Like, I'm not really, I don't really call myself much of anything. I just kind of try to live, um, hopefully authentically. And I don't even get it right all the time. I miss the mark often. I, I honestly would say that I don't always live authentically. I can honestly say that because I know I don't, um, because there is always this constant like pressure and conflict between like doing what I know that internally is good for me versus what I was taught versus what maybe my parents need to be need me to be doing versus maybe what certain friends kind of like are more comfortable with me like talking about these things or doing this or that um like there are certain things where it's like I mean I'm not really feeling this way right now but there were certain times like not in the recent past but like where I was just kind of like, I don't even want to drink. Like, it's not like it was like a problem. It was just kind of like, I'm trying to save money. Like, I don't want to like do this. But like, all my friends love hanging out at bars and clubs. So I'm like, I can't really just like not go out with my friends, you know, so it was like, I'll just go out and then I'll just have a drink. But then it's like, I kind of didn't really care to either. It was just like, I couldn't care less about this drinking thing. It was like stupid for me you know I was just like I don't like this I'm not saying I don't drink I'm not saying I've never drank I've definitely drank um I'm not really like I don't really care it's just like one of those things I probably yeah I'd say I probably care about alcohol more than I do soda I mean I think soda is kind of like not I don't know I'm not even gonna go into it because I know it's like a controversial thing but um I do think that to live authentically, it it's not that easy because it's constantly making decisions based on what you feel like you should do, based on who who you kind of believe you are, or or what you're coming into of yourself, and then what other people kind of might think or might see or might notice, and trying to like maybe adjust it a little bit so it's more socially acceptable. Um, or, I mean, I'm not saying everybody run around and just do whatever the heck you want, like, light off fireworks at, like, 2 a.m. and wake up on your neighbors because I feel like it, like, not, like, stuff that, like, that, like, you still have to be considerate of other people, but, um, you know, it doesn't have to be, like, at the expense of your own authenticity is what I mean, um, like, genuinely, like, who you are, not just, like, all the stupid impulsive decisions that we all want to make every now and then, even if it is, I want to, I want to hammer something. (laughs) I want to go hammer something outside of my house. I want to fix the, I want to fix the porch and it's like 1230 at night, you know, like (laughs) I want to do like some random thing that it's going to be disruptive. Like that's not even a big deal, but still would be obnoxious. Um, I want to mow the lawn at like five in the morning, like stuff like that. That it's like, really be a good neighbor. Um, but I don't know. I really, I really do feel that 
a lot of people can benefit from trying to be authentic. Um, first of all, like finding out what it is that you are, who you are, um, who, what you stand for, kind of your own, um, place in this world, according to you, according to your own nature, not according to what some other person told you you are. Um, I think everyone has to find that out at some point in their lives, um, but it's hard. It's easier to just do what everybody thinks you need to do. It's easier to just follow, you know, it's easier to be led. Um, but you do, you know, have the responsibility and ability to kind of, you know, lead your own self too. um, especially in an authentic way, you'll be happier that way. You'll feel more fulfilled other people will notice it in you. They'll they'll notice like, oh, like you're really like pretty genuine. You're not like standoffish or egocentric or, you know, um, I think I think the more people that can be kind of like less ego driven and more just kind of like there for others and, you know, reliable and trustworthy, like, these are things that people are able to do when they no longer have that baggage from being insecure about not living in their own, you know, their own kind of authenticity. Um, Because that's what happens when people aren't living in that truth of their own. They end up going around judging other people and creating all these like toxic, crazy environments where it's like, we've got so much chaos going around in different groups of people and it's like why would they even like do it if they're like not happy but it's like part of them authentically believes in it so they're gonna stay and then there's another part that authentically is just like this is too much it's too uh too much trouble too much hassle so then they'll stay but then they're kind of like half in half out because not everything resonates with them but I think that's okay too I think it's okay to challenge what things say and challenge books and challenge traditions and be like you know even though I was taught this thing I just don't really I don't really see it I don't really feel it I don't think that's the right thing for me um and a lot of times it's hard to really know what's going to be right for you if you um don't challenge things and don't look at them like dissecting like everything from like what you've learned in schools Somebody brought up this thing on another, um, uh, it bothered me so much, you guys. It was this, um, podcast where they were, like, kind of making fun of, like, certain textbooks. Like, that wasn't the whole purpose, but, like, part of it, they were just laughing about some textbook. And one of them mentioned, like, the McGraw-Hill textbooks about it being from, like, Texas or something. I don't know how true this stuff is, but it was, like just thinking about that and the way they mentioned it and how they were kind of like, that's a form of like controlling, you know, the, the minds of like youth. If most of the public schools are using McGraw Hill, um, textbooks and they're all from a certain place where people are being taught from like a certain curriculum based on a certain style of like very conservative thinking. It's like, no wonder people learn all this certain stuff this way it's like a form it's definitely a form of brainwashing i'm sorry guys it is it's like if it wasn't if it wasn't intentionally made that way 
then why wouldn't there be more diversity in the textbooks? Why wouldn't, you know, like, why wouldn't they consider other authors, <laughs> other, you know, publishing companies, you know? But it's just important to look at things. It's important to look at different, I don't want to call them brainwashing systems, but I mean, that's what it is. We were all raised in some form of a, a brainwashing system or a system where people were taught uh, where people taught us to do and don't think about what we're doing and just live this way live this way live that way don't think about it don't challenge it just do it um but there is a relationship between that and kind of like how it manifests in people's lives as like a toxic at least like these toxic kind of um ways of dealing with others um because we're not dealing with ourselves like we have to deal with ourselves as well as all these beliefs and teachings. And then we have to kind of like, the output has to be something that's authentic. It can't be just like, I'm kind of sneaking around doing this or lying about this other thing or like, um, you know, living like a double life, you know, some people have to for their safety. I get it. But it's like, it's still not going to make life easier. It's not going to make life happier. It's going to make it more stressful when you're like hiding from different stuff so and especially if it's something you feel like you need for your own happiness and well-being because that's what you believe will make you feel better you know if you feel like being vegan would make you feel better and you would find like happiness in it but you're not allowed to for some reason or people put you down when you buy tofu because they're like teasing you about it or whatever and it's like okay like you just you know like Sometimes you just have to do what you need to do for yourself. But especially if it's safe, you know, all the more reason. But I get it. it not everything's safe for everybody. But I said about know, 15, 20 minutes ago that I was almost done. Or maybe 45 minutes ago I said that. I can't remember. But um, you can tell I like these topics. Um, I'll see when I post this because I'm not sure if I will. But, um... I'll see. I might. I might. I. I probably might. I should just post it and then I'll take it down. If I don't, if I, if I change my mind in the morning, I'll take it down. But um, yeah. I hope this is helpful. Um, it's kind of my own food for thought, though. It's not really. I know people believe differently. Some people believe, hey, what I was taught, like, that's the right way. And some people aren't gonna hear this, and that's fine. Um. But I think um, it can help people feel like in a happier space to kind of like challenge things. Um, not to a point where you don't really know who you are, but challenge them to kind of test and see who you who you feel like you are authentically and just trying to live within your own truth about things. Um and yeah well i hope that was helpful i gotta go do something else i can't just do this all night so um thanks for listening